On today's show, seven essential tips for DIY musicians and artists who are just starting out. Cue title sequence. 30 minute music marketing for musicians who want to get better at marketing their music. Hello, I'm Sheldon. Hello, I'm Greg. And this is 30 Minute Music Marketing, the show for independent artists and DIY musicians who want to get better at marketing you. their music. That's you. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed the episodes that we've done so far. You're writing lots of comments. Thanks for subscribing. Yes, please subscribe away just so you don't miss an episode of our ramblings. Don't forget you can listen to all our shows and podcasts on your favourite podcasting platform. Could be Anchor, could be Apple, could be... Spotify. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify even. This is it. No, forget your Discover Weekly. Why not have me and Greg in your ears? How pleasant would that be? It's every available opportunity. You just can't go wrong. You really can't. And we're talking uh, specifically to new musicians, artists who are maybe just sort of starting out and trying to give them potentially the benefit of our knowledge because the reason is if you are a, a young musician just starting on your musical career, you don't know what you don't know yet. And also you might get a bit over-enthusiastic in just one area. So um, I was going to say these are primarily dedicated towards uh, younger artists, uh, new musicians starting out. But I think pretty much Anybody. everybody, every single independent artist and DIY musician should use this as a bit of a checklist just to make sure that they are doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. That you're doing? I'm certainly doing all of these. Even this this show, we will be utilising the same things, aren't we? Very much so, very much so. And we could actually talk about some of the things that we're doing, like a reference purely to this show as well, as because we do reap what we sow, and we also... Sow what we reap. Sow what we reap. <laughs> as you can see, it's a very well-rehearsed show. So we've got seven tips. Seven tips. So should I start on tip number one? You can start on tip number okay, one. Okay, so... And I'm a massive advocate of this. Is build your audience online. So the most bands, when they're starting out, think that the way to build an audience is through gigging and gigging alone. Now gigs are good. We we we, we know when this. When you say gigs, do you mean literally in a venue? It could be a venue um, where we are in in the UK. It could be a pub, and obviously you need. A so you actually mean literally going to a venue, doing a show. So the right. only way that <clears throat> Um, a lot of artists think the only way that you can build an audience is by doing lots and lots and lots of performances. The idea being that you can attract an audience and grow and build a following and a fan base just from putting on a show, getting people to that show and going, oh. Or it's just appealing it's to the people that are already there. Yes. That seems to be tough. Or if you're a support band appealing to their fans. Yes, that, that, that's one mechanism and, and that still goes on. And you know, that is still useful. We're not saying don't do any gigs whatsoever. What we're really saying is that it's now 2019. It's not 2003. We're recording this and there are much more efficient ways of trying to build a following and trying to attract new fans. And that's through concentrating more on online platforms. Think about it this way, you're, you know, you possibly have a Facebook page for your band and people will probably discover your band via Facebook because it's a lot, lot easier to find out about bands on this than me getting off my little bottom and actually walking into a venue on the sheer chance that I might discover something I like. I'm currently running um, <coughs> 
at least one, maybe two Facebook ad campaigns at the moment showing people who uh, I've targeted that should like my music in cities where I'm playing in the next couple of months. I'm showing adverts to people in Cardiff. I'm showing adverts to people in Cambridge, in Stoke and in Hull. And these people, uh, uh, I've made it so that they don't actually like my Facebook page already. So I'm paying to introduce my music to a new audience. And I can do all that by showing them a, a, an existing music video. Yep. And I can do all that without actually leaving the room. How fantastic is that? So, so by all means, um, get some gigs, um, get uh, the craftsmanship and the skill of being a live music performer under your belt. But just thinking that and you I can grow you... your fan base from that alone, shush, I'm speaking. It's, it, it's madness. In, in 2019, it's, it, it's madness. I'm also running YouTube uh, adverts showing people, paying to show my latest music video to people that don't know of us before. Again, tr introducing new people to what I do, spending a little bit of money, not too much money, and um, bringing people into my world that way. That's the thing. I mean, in terms of like people are going to go, oh, I don't want to spend money on Facebook campaigns or anything like that. But if you're actually going to go to a venue and play in front of the bar staff because you're starting out, you are already spending money to go and do that. And if you, by the time you've accounted your time and your petrol and all the other things, hopefully you're pat tested and you have liability insurance because you're a professional artist or aspiring to be one. You know, these things all cost money and I would rather spend that money on a Facebook campaign promoting a video that I filmed with my camera phone uh, than going all to that because also the disappointment. We've all been there. God, it's just like... Oh. Oh, thanks for turning up, bar staff. We know you're here because you're getting paid. Getting paid. Okay, so what's number two? Number two, we have mentioned this in the past, but we, we, we do will think keep it's important it because actually, because one thing, it's a case of again, you need a website. This page, this what we're doing now, has its own website. You need somewhere that's uh, your home base. It's an individual piece of land. It's a space that you own, that somebody who's interested in you can get all the information clearly at their fingertips. They can stream your music, they can watch your videos, probably more importantly, they can come and see where you play. Also, uh, it's going to be in high resolution because Facebook Live using the external cameras is a right pain in the bottom if you It is, but what I would say is that most um, artists starting out think that because social media is incredibly popular, then th that's the only platforms that they need to use. If I'm trying to research and find out information about a band um, in the first instance when I've maybe uh, never heard of them before and just come across them, I go to their so social media page. It's so unless they've got maybe a video pinned to the top of their page, it's very hard for me to actually listen to any sort of music, to, to watch a video. There, there might be no video at all on their news feed. Trying to find um, a... Oh, it's a, upcoming it's a gig dates. Yeah, it simply it simply can't be done. <clears throat> and also, the other thing that is in a sense of like, if you're having to say, by the way, you've got to go to Facebook and then you've got to put forward slash this, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, oh, I can't be bothered. Whereas at least put, type the name of the band in Google if you've got a website and you haven't chosen something that is really, really 
difficult to find it. You should be found a lot, lot easier. A lot of people are concentrating um, on Instagram alone, and Instagram offers you, as a musician, virtually no services <clears throat> whatsoever. I mean, you might be able to put up a uh, maybe a little image of JPEG or a flyer about about your upcoming gigs, but I can't actually click through uh, to, to any sort of ticket link through uh, through a standard Instagram image. So you need a place that, that ba it's basically your shop window. And also it benefits and you know, ultimately what we're talking about here is user experience. And it will also help people find you nice and easily <coughs> through a Google search as well. Because I mean, if you were to type in Lancashire Hot Pots, which is a band that you're in, uh, the Lancashire Pots, you know, you're probably going to be a lot, lot easier. What's your web? What's your domain? Uh, like the hotpots.net. See, I, I forget my name simply because you, if you just type one word hot pots mm. into Google, we come up. There you go. And if you well, were to, if you didn't have that, how, what's your Facebook tagline? The, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There you go. That's, and this is the guy who's actually the main man behind the band and even he can't. So if you're trying to describe that to your fans or potential fans, it just, oh, you, you people will forget it. Right. Okay, what's number three, Greg? Number three is, again, we've mentioned this before, you need a mailing list. So people think, again, going back to social media, that social media is king and it's the only thing that you need to use in order to market your music to your audience. But there's a big problem with social media in that the owners of those platforms own the means of you communicating with that audience. So I've got 52,000 followers on my band's Facebook page, but in order for me to reach each one of those people, well, A, it's incredibly difficult because Mr. Mark Zuckerberg has made it so that organic reach is very difficult to achieve. And guess what? If I want to definitely reach all of my Facebook followers, I've got to put my hand in my pocket and pay him. So the expression that they use in marketing <clears throat> is never build your house on rented land. So if you've got a Facebook page, if you've got an Instagram page, you are building your business on top of someone else's business and they're a business and eventually they're going to, going to want money from you to monetize and get yeah. communications <clears throat> to that audience. But if you have a mailing list, if you have all the email addresses of all your biggest fans, then you can contact them and you own that fan data. It's incredibly important. And the thing to remember as well is that you could have built up an enormously large following on one particular platform and overnight that platform could disappear. Vine, for example, was, what happened to Vine? Uh, it went bust. <laughs> well, it, 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 ah. they, they just pulled it. So th there were performers and entertainers on there with millions of followers. Bish bash bosh, all went. Uh, Google Plus, I know that yeah. wasn't necessarily a, a music sort of building platform, but that was a uh, platform that went uh, belly up. And dare I say Twitter? Twitter's, um, it, it's never really made any money. What would happen? It, so, you know, there's nothing to say that Twitter might disappear at some well, point in the future if you've built a, a, a following of tens or hundreds of thousands of people on there. If the platform goes down, what are you going to do? And we talked about this in our previous deep dive session. You know, all the people who subscribed via Pledge Music, you're not going to get that details anymore, are you? No. So you make sure you own um, all as much fan data <coughs> as possible. Use a service like MailChimp, have a sign-up um, 
section on your website, make sure it's on your homepage as well. Uh, give people a, a good incentive to, uh, to sign up and uh, send your audience regular emails just to keep them up to date with what's going on and what you are up to in your musical career. You can't fail, really, can you? Not with the mailing list, not with this. Right, what's number four? Number four is, this is a strange one, we've commented on this one before, but I do think it's important, is do not neglect the local scene. The local music scene, lots of musicians and lots of people in bands, they look upon the other musicians and people in bands within their area as their competitors. And really, they are their collaborators. You're always They're very... Patriots, aren't they? Very much so. You're always very much of the opinion that if you want to build a thriving music scene and build a buzz about the music that's happening in around your town or city, then you're going to need to work together in order to achieve that. Every major musical movement has been because it was uh, it was created by a variety of bands. You know, I've said this before, no one band can create a scene, you know. You're all in this together. Can and I use the analogy of car showrooms? Why do by you all means. Why, you know, car showrooms on the whole all tend to be congregated together because if you can pull one person to one brand, you're more likely to be, do you think BMW are that bothered that they're located next to Ford? No, because they know if people go to Ford, they might, oh, it's not too far to go literally two feet down the road to check out someone else. They're not bothered about being located next to competition because they believe if you can get people there in the first place, the likelihood is they will see more and choose and appreciate that. So collaborate more would be one way you can achieve that. And so, in other words, if, you, if you're a musical artist, and again, there's other musical artists, maybe even of different genres in your area, rather than, again, seen as those as competitors, collaborate with each other, play on each other's recordings. That way you can even tap into their fan base. Didn't that happen a lot on. in the 70s? Because I'm sure Elton John must have played on a lot of records before he became Elton John. I think he did, but if you look at, dare I say it, let's call it the popular hit parade, or the yes. charts, as other people refer to it, is pretty much every record that's on there is somebody or other featuring yeah. X, Y and Z. They're all at it. So the, the more people you involve in your recordings, like I said, you can tap into that, he was just like, I'll give anything a go. And as much as I don't like Ed Sheeran's music, I have to admire his his approach. The, what, go, well, you know, what have I got to lose? The fact that he's successfully executed his career and become probably one of the biggest artists on the planet. Yeah, but he still can't rap on records. And well, it he has a ruddy good go, doesn't he? Maybe but again, he, at a very early stage in his career, started uh, collaborating with urban artists. And look where he is now. He's lying on a bed filled well, with even, money. Even David Guetta thought, well, I'll try something different. And I can't believe it, but I've actually started listening to his new album. And I never thought I'd be listening to David Guetta, but, you know. I'm sure he's a very nice bloke. So if you're sitting there jealous at the every little ounce of success that the, uh, the musicians in your town are having, you're probably going about it all wrong. You'd, you'd, don't be bitter. Basically, collaborate, see those people as, um, as your compadres. Who's that person that you like? Gary? What's his name? I beg your pardon? Gary. 
I can never remember his surname. The guy with Where's the Where's this going, Craig? <laughs> with the wine business. What's his oh, name? Oh, Gary V. Right, Gary V. Right. Gary Vaynerchuk. You, you wrote something on your 30-second, 30, 30 no, 60-second music marketing about, you know, he made a point of saying, you know, actually make an effort to comment and engage in a conversation with other bands. And I think that's a really good, you know, just yeah. give your two cents worth in a, in a positive way rather than slagging someone off. I think, um, I think that's a good way of, you know, that's, it gives a nice introduction and start to kind of, you know. The thing you've got to remember is that we're all in this together. together. Oh, it's, oh it's, 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 isn't that nice? Isn't that a lovely way of looking at it? It, it would be, and I think you can achieve far more. Um, you know, it, it is, you, if you're loggerheads with everyone else believing someone is doing slightly better than you and stuff like that, it's going to get you nowhere. It is, it is. Right, we are on to number five. So what is number five, Sean? Number five is your fans are buying into you. So most um, musicians tend to think that the only thing that's going to be of interest to their audience is their music, their finished product. And really what you have to realise that in this day and age, you are selling yourself as much as your music. And the thing that you've got to also think about is that money has precious little value in uh, this digital day and age. I can go onto uh, YouTube or the free platform of Spotify, which you're only subscribed to because you're cheapskates. <laughs> no, I am frugal. But I can listen to pretty much any, uh, any piece of music that I want to. I don't have to pay anything for it. So how in this day and age do we actually add value to the music that we're trying to sell. And really what we need to do is we need to we need to add something to that music to make it potentially more valuable. And one of the ways that you can do that is by letting people know more about the people that are making that music so they can have a better insight into how that music is is created, the the, the lives and the insights and the personalities of the, of the people behind the, uh, that particular music, the creators themselves. And um, the example I always used to use in this particular case is, as you may know, Greg, I'm a big fan of Queen. I've been told. Yes, 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 very much so. And, you know, during the 80s when, you know, I was growing up and first starting developing my, my taste and my thirst for the music of, of Brian, Freddie, Roger and John, is that I, I would scour all the music magazines, I would watch all the uh, the music programmes on television, desperate for a little bit of, uh, you know, interview with the with the band themselves, just so I could see what they were actually like as, as human beings and get to know them more as people. And that's the great thing about social media, is we now have the opportunity to, to let people into our lives. At one point, if you were a musician and you wanted people to know more about you and more about the band and more about how you develop your songs, you had to be interviewed by magazines, blogs, radio stations, that sort of thing. But now we get the opportunity to do it ourselves and give it to our audience through platforms like social media so they can get a better, more rounded view of, of who you are and why you're making that sort of music. They get to understand it a whole lot more. And yeah, I mean, and ultimately that helps with something like when we were talking about crowdfunding um, in terms of, you know, your story, people buy into people. Yes, so you're selling yourself as much as your music and in doing so you're giving it a little bit more value 
and making it worth something because they, they know more about you. They know more about the struggles that you might be sort of encountering, the, the reasons why you're you're making it. They understand it I mean, a whole lot more. My experience with some, I know it's slightly digressing, but in terms of the idea of buying into people is that, you know, there are Kickstarter campaigns that I funded purely, I knew nothing about their music, but they can't, I, I liked them. I liked the way they presented their, their, their pitch video, so to speak. And you're kind of going, I feel, in, you know, they're endearing. I want to support them. I want this person to succeed. Not because I think their music's great. I haven't actually heard that. It's just about that I like them. Mm. And it's like, well, hey, I don't mind giving you $10 to help you achieve what it is you've set out to do. Take my money kind of thing because I want you to succeed. Number six in our list of top need, seven tips. I need to flip the piece of paper. You can flip away. Flip away, sir. Right, Okay. And this kind of, it goes nicely it's, into the it, next yeah, part. It, it follows on, anyone would, anyone would think, the, the, you know, these this were scripted. Uh, scripted. Focus on your fans. Focus on your fans. What do they want? Right, you are a business. Whether you like that particular analogy or not, if you want to make money from your music, you are a business. And in business, they do say that the customer is king. You've got to treat your customers like gold. So maybe let's go back to that particular analogy of uh, the car showroom. Yes. Um, if I was wandering around a showroom, um, would I be expected to have a salesperson come over, maybe tell me a little bit uh, of um, information about the car, maybe get me a coffee? You want to be treated in terms of like you want to be, you know, you want to know that there's someone to ask when you need to and you hope that they'll be informative, but without being pushy. If you were to go to a restaurant and it took ages for you, the, the, the waiter or waitress to seat you at your table, if you were waiting another 20 minutes for somebody to come and take your order, if maybe the, the food was cold and, and you were trying to get somebody's attention, and then if you were trying to get the bill, and again, you were being ignored because all the serving staff were congregated around um, chatting maybe at the till, uh, you'd basically say, right, well, I'm not coming here again because my custom isn't valued and it, it's a terrible experience. And you've got to remember that the people who are your audience, your fans, they are your customers. If you treat your customers well, if you treat your customers right, they are going to be that much more supportive of you. They're going to put, want to put their hand in their pocket to pay and give you some money and to come and see you live. But if you treat your audience in a rather poor fashion, so in other words, if somebody types a comment on your Facebook page and you don't reply to it, that's pretty Poor, that use that analogy, customer service. So reply to all your online comments. Now, the band that I'm in, when we finish a gig, we'll go over to the merch stall, we'll meet You do that religiously, there. don't you? Religiously. For, for every single gig that we've done in the past 12 years, we will go there and, depending on last the... The venue staff try to throw people out. We're, we're there for as long as they, they want They really us. are. If anybody sends us any sort of uh, inboxes or sends us a, an email of a private you message. You even do shouts out as well, don't we'll you? We do shout outs, gigs. We are very much for them. And our lead singer is, um, is always one who thanks from the stage or thank people. Um, for their custom, and we we always say that, that, that you know that times very times are hard and money's tight, and we appreciate the fact that they've come out to see us 
of a, of a Saturday or a Friday night. I, I always use the humorous analogy because he's a cat owner that um, they, the audience keep his cats in cat biscuits. But again, again we, we, we do say to people that we are appreciative of their support. I mean, you can do that through the means of a little video uh, on uh, social networks. So just remember that the people who are following you, they're the ones that are going to be supporting you, hopefully throughout your entire career. So you've got to treat those people like gold. I do see a lot of bands who will judge their audience on what their audience wants on what they would do. And I think that that's what they like. And I think that's yeah. Very, very shallow-minded. I think you have to, you uh, you know, because you're in danger of just doing the bare minimum. Because you're kind of going, well, that's that. I'm happy with that. And you're kind of going, well, that's the worst thing you can do is judge your audience based on what you would, what you how you would engage. And it, it's jumping from that chasm almost of being a musician and being an artist and quite often creating music <clears throat> for yourself, but then realizing that you know it's it then has to enter the context of a business environment whereby you're not actually creating it for yourself you're creating it for that particular audience and you have to bear but that in mind the only downside not downside because i don't think it's a downside but then the the objection i f hear from bands is that's selling out is it selling out or is it buying in, ladies and gentlemen? That's a very, very good point. I refer to it as, as buying in. Well, they're, they're buying from. They're in, investing in you. Yeah. That, how can that be selling out if you're actually just listening? You're just using your ears and kind of entertaining your audience. Otherwise, it'll just be the four of you in a band who are your audience. So your fans are... Um are your customers. They are your friends. Treat them like best friends. So finally, number seven, what is it, Sheldon? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Don't be too disheartened by the fact that in terms of building an audience, trying to grow your fan base, trying to alert people to who you are and the music that you're making, don't be too disheartened if it's possibly taking longer than you first anticipated. Overnight success through things such as TV talent shows are normally accompanied by overnight obscurity. <laughs> you just sink into oblivion. Y yeah, it's literally, you're, you're on the TV, you think within, within 10 weeks, I've made it. And after that, after the show's gone off air, dare I say, nobody's really that bothered about it. And, and that's the show one, moves on to the next. Show moves on to the next one. And, and quite often um, these TV talent show winners um, they can't release their music at certain oh, they're, times they're because that, that competes with the current season. Yep. So, so don't be too disheartened. The, the, the analogy I always use is that it's it's hand to hand combat. You've got to go out there and you've got to win one fan at a time. So that's it. Might be sort of slow progress, but what that enables you to do is literally, if on something like Twitter, the, the, Twitter's a great platform for this. You can see people one at a time starting to follow you that's a fantastic opportunity if someone is following you to go onto their twitter feed maybe see what music they like and then reply back and say oh great stuff thanks for the follow i noticed that you're based in liverpool oh i noticed that you like cats and i like cats so so you, I'm a dog even if your progress is really slow that at least gives you the opportunity <clears throat> for all your new followers for you to to give them one-on-one -on -one 
attention. That's and don't be don't be too disheartened <laughs> if the you know you. The, the, this overnight success that you might necessarily crave is eluding you. That's probably not the the best way to go about things. I think, unfortunately, though, with, with something like uh, YouTube, and uh, there's a lot of uh, product reviewers. So, like, I Justine as an example. She's now got over a million subscribers, but she's been doing this for, like, 12 years. And it was actually interesting to go back to her very first video. And although it's got quite a lot of views now... It must only be because people like myself were interested to see where she started and have just added to the views. So, but I can't believe she got, it must have, it's taken 10 years to get over a million subscribers. It's funny because the, the band that I'm in at the moment, um, even though when we first launched, we were something of a, an instant success. There was 10 years almost of groundwork in terms of, skilling myself up in terms of music production um you've done a lot before musician yeah, improving my musicianships uh, you know our on stage sort of skills it was that 10 years groundwork prior to that that enabled me when we launched this particular project for it to to, to be a runaway success from without flattering your ego too much <clears throat> you are the pretty much one of the best people i know at reinventing yourself and improving and getting that next step further all the time yeah. So and so so don't be afraid. If well, let let me break this to you now. There's a lot of hard work. So be in it for but the it's long fun haul. Work. It, it is it is fun work. I I enjoy. It. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. But just and don't look at it as a second job. If you want another job, go get another job. This shouldn't be seen as another job. I've always looked at it as a as a second job. I've I've always I've always I considered think... it. I've always considered it work. But Emmett, as an example, was never a second job, was it? That was a previous band that was in talking talking words that they don't understand. Okay. Yes, it was a previous band, completely different style of music to what he did now. But that was a labour of love, wasn't it? Yeah, you which know. laid the groundwork to a lot of things that you're now implementing now. Yeah, so so I have pivoted to use a particular business um, uh, terminology, but but I've you know I've always determined been determined to to work hard and. Even though at the time when we were playing and not really achieving that much of a success, it was it was it was again it was all about it was all about the journey. It was all about progression. I could probably see in the future, even whilst not necessarily re realizing it at the time, that just by doing what we were doing and continuing doing what we were doing, that you know that would stand me ultimately in good stead for uh, for future. Um, Endeavor, musical endeavours. A bit like me when I was at university first time around, I ran my own club nights. Not because I thought, hey, I can profit from it. I just didn't want to listen to Disco Dave playing Steps, which was not what I wanted. So we put on, our, we organised putting on our own nights because that's what we wanted to do. And then who knew 15 years down the line that I'd actually be able to call upon the experiences and the lessons that I learned mm. from that. But... That's, that's the fun thing. So slow and steady wins the race. That's the, probably the best way to uh, to uh, to end this particular episode. And, and indeed, like we're starting this particular YouTube channel off, and we've had to start off with zero subscribers, zero views. We realise that what we're doing now is a long-term project yep. for us, and we are starting literally from from a base. Of zero, but you know that that's fun in some respects because hopefully we can get better at doing what we do, and you know the the, the subscriber and the view count will will improve. But we've just got to be not disheartened in, in the meantime, and we've got to yeah. plow on and crack on, and that's what you should do. And ask us questions, test our knowledge. Yes, if there's anything you'd like to uh, see us talk about in a future 
or an upcoming episode, please post something in the comments. Um, in the meantime, uh, from myself and Greg, we shall hopefully see you next time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye.